Welcome back to the Transfer Experience Podcast. This is episode 11 of our podcast in which we'll be talking about life post-grad. My name's Brielle. I'm Max. My name is Chanel. I'll serve by Paul. And this is the Transfer Experience Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Andrew, from the Transfer Student Center, who served a huge guiding role in our transfer experience. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. My name's Andrew Henry. Uh, currently, I am a academic counselor at UC Berkeley's Transfer Student Center, um, and all of the hosts of this podcast were my students at some point. True. Oh, thank lastly, you. Lastly. Uh, I was also a transfer student myself. Uh, I transferred from Cerritos College uh, down in Southern California to UC Berkeley. Thank you so much, Andrew. We're happy to have you. Chan Young with updates. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah, so we have Andrew on board because, you know, as an academic counselor and as a transfer himself, he has a lot of wisdom to share about this topic, specifically for a post-graduation topic. So, you know, we're really happy he's here. And yeah, before we get into the fun question, um, just a, f- a few things. So one, um, you know, if you still have any questions, feel free to send them our way. We do have just one more episode left for this season. And whether season two happens remains to be seen. But yeah, so this is the second to last episode. And yeah, we're excited and we're thankful for people who have stayed with us this long. And I think that's it. So I think, Brielle, you could start with the question of the day. One more thing. We want to make sure everybody knows that Andrew is here not as a representative of the UC Berkeley Transfer Student Center. <laughs> He's just here to share like his own personal experience and maybe some things he could pull from other students' experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Don't sue him <laughs> or us. Daily disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I could add to that. Uh, I am a counselor at Berkeley. I'm not an admissions officer, so I don't have access uh, to some of those questions. No Um, bribing him. No bribing me. Don't at me. Uh, (laughs) And also, like, I'm going to try to keep it as real as possible, as I always do with you all. So I'll try to do that as well without getting fired. It's always a good... Same. It's a good... Uh, Okay, so are y'all ready for today's check-in question? So, I saw this on TikTok last night, and my whole family went rampant around the house looking for answers. You have five minutes to hide a paperclip in your house, and a detective has 24 hours to search your house to find it. If they do not find this paperclip, you win $1 million. Where do you hide the paperclip? And I can repeat the question. You go first? Because, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, do you need, does anyone need me to repeat the question? Or are y'all good to go? I'm good. I have my answer. Oh, shoot. Go ahead. What's the, uh, what's the jar called that you put your family member's ashes in? An urn. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> a urn? Bruh, if you put that in the urn and a cop tries to touch it, you just slap the cop and say it's disrespectful. I was thinking, hmm, can a paperclip tear up my dog's insides? I was like, do I feed my dog a paperclip? And then I thought, ah, oh, that probably could mess him up. So maybe not a good idea. And they could poop it out in a day. Some of the most common answers were ingesting it yourself or putting it on your person or your pets. But if all living things have been removed from the premises, it has to be right. inside the uh, house. Yes. There's no living right. thing in an urn. True. <laughs> there was. <but laughs> okay, <there isn't. laughs> okay then. <laughs> I, I can see Andrew's like checking around his room like thinking yeah. no last night my family was so into this we were going all the way around the house looking in different corners and like hiding places and trying to figure this out there's no right or wrong answer it's just where do you sit I have one I have one okay so like you know the back of your phone like there's like a way to remove it with like a kit that you could order online so I would like uh, what, what's the word I would just surgery on my phone and like hide it 
had it deep. <laughs> deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ha- <laughs> I'm having it on me. You know, I'll be I'll be holding the phone. I- I'm gonna be caring. If they want to look at it, that's fine. But I doubt. It's pretty good. Okay. I have a couple. Um, one of my favorite ones that I saw was um, hiding it and taping it underneath the one inch crack of a door that lets the airflow in <laughs> oh, and out. Wow. Um, another funny yeah, one was someone said they would tape it to the underside of the blade of the inside of your dishwasher, the circulator wow. on the bottom. Um, wow, yeah. My answer was I would tape it, or not tape it, I would stick it inside of a shoe and then stick a Dr. Scholl's on top. Scholl? What, what is that? Dr. Scholl's like are like the shoe inserts. They're, yeah, ah, they're an insole for your gotcha. shoe, like the gel things. I would stick it in the shoe, then stick the thing on top and then put it with the rest of my shoes. Those are good. I'm pretty solid. Uh, I have a, I have a couple answers. Uh, one is a felonious answer, but uh, I would put it inside a box of paper clips. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's so smart and dumb at the same time. I would, and then I would hide that box. Um, if I can like manipulate it, I, I'm looking at like mm-hmm. a bunch of like spiral notebooks. And I would put it as part of the spiral. Smart. Oh. Um, and then the last one is like, I would just like carve a hole somewhere like in my wall and then paint over it kind of thing. These are such Slytherin answers of you, Andrew. Do you want to hear know, some other ones that I thought I'm... were really good? I yeah. also, yeah, wait, okay. I had one thought just now is you melt a candle and then you just put the paperclip in the oh, candle. that's good. Because if you see a candle, yes, you're not good. like... Oh, what, what goes That's in there? a really good one. Like... That was a really popular one. But the thing that came up for me is you have 10 minutes. Is it really good? Or five or 10 minutes. Is it going to solidify over the the paperclip in time? You could so probably then, throw it back might. in the fridge. Maybe. <laughs> Why what is, is there a candle, candle doing in, in the fridge? You guys don't keep your candles <laughs> in the fridge. Is there a paperclip in there? <laughs> no, I was saying that. I have like four candles on my desk right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, you could you could definitely melt it and then just, you know, re-solidify. That was a popular answer. Another one of mine was in a bag of chips. I would open a fresh bag of chips, put it in, and then use my hair straightener to seal the bag again. Because you can melt the plastic Whoa. down. But then it's like, why is, why is your hair straightener hot? Let's find out what you used it for. So that's something I'd be... I mean, I can I mean, straighten my own hair and then do is it. Is Sherlock Holmes still. looking for this shit? Like, who's yeah. looking for <laughs> What kind it's of detective? a professional detective. <laughs> so there's a bunch Literally, of different answers, yeah. and they're all just so funny. And I figured I would ask because I just want to see how your brain That's work. a solid one. I thought you were going to say you were just going to eat the bag of chips as the person was there <laughs> in plain sight, like Andrew's answer of put it in a box of paper clips. See, okay, when people do the plain sight ones, though, I think wouldn't a detective know that you're probably going to hide something in plain sight because you're trying to trick them? Who knows? Sometimes they think know. they got you, right? Like, oh, they're an unsuspecting person, so they didn't have time to hide it. And then the opposite end is, no, they definitely hid it somewhere. Yeah, or or the detective could know that I'm thinking of more than just in plain sight. So he'll know that I think that way. So he'll actually look into it. It's like a cycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's either in plain sight or not. Which way did they yeah. take it? No, my dad opened up the oven and he said he'd unscrew the oven light bulb. Stick the paper clip inside and then rescrew the oven light bulb. Wow. So there's plenty of options. It's just so funny to see where people go with it. So thank y'all for participating in my checking question. <laughs> <laughs> we can go ahead yeah. and get into this week's episode. Yeah, so I guess we'll start off with, you know, asking Andrew, what was his transfer experience like from the start to sort of the end process, I guess, that in between? Yeah, tell us what that was like. Yeah, so I've listened to every episode you've all have done uh, so far, and I don't think you've had like a. Oh, I guess you had Grissa, who was a reentry student, but I was a reentry student. And for those of you that don't know who are listening, was is Berkeley um, specifically def- defines reentry as twenty five or older uh, when you transfer in uh, or in, or admitted. And so basically, I graduated high school. I was in and out. Of, oh, actually, so I transferred, or sorry, I graduated high school, and then I went directly to Cal, uh, Cal Poly Pomona, um, basically just because. I didn't have direction, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but they told me in high school, go to college afterwards, so I did. Uh, I went there for a semester, I hated it, no shots at Cal Poly, but it wasn't for me. Um, 
so what I, I I left, uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to community college and transfer, uh, because I didn't like that school. And what happened was I was in and out of community college for <sighs> off and on taking classes for probably around 10 years. And what happened to me was like, I, I worked a bunch of different jobs. Um, I didn't have any kind of real interest in any subject, um, and I didn't have a whole lot of direction, right? Uh, which happens to uh, a lot of students, right? Um, is that I was told to go to college, so I did, but didn't know why I was there, didn't know what I was doing, didn't have other people in my life um, who were supporting me through the uh, process, right, of transferring. So I was taking all kinds of classes. I had no business taking, didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had a lot of... Um, other things going on in my life. So during these years, um, and I share this with everyone just because it's a part of my journey, is that uh, I had some family members, my sister and my mother pass away uh, during those years. And so that was like a, not only like, you know, deeply harrowing, a struggle, all of those things, right? But it, ch it changed my perspective on things, right? And I'll never forget, I was, uh, on a separate note, I was working this job, which I didn't really like, but it was a job. I made decent money. I was working at a restaurant. And then they asked me if I wanted to move up to management. And I was like, hell no, I don't want to be a manager here. I didn't say that. But I was like, this is not like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. So at this point, I was living on my own um, and or with a roommate and I realized, like, I, I got to go back to school because, like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. And at this point, I'm probably, like, 28 or something like that. And then um, so I quit my job. I moved back in with my parents or at my parents' house um, and kind of start over, right? And then find a, another part-time job where I'm able to go to school and do it. Um, and then so I do. And and. The reason I was successful the second time around was one, uh, I had more direction, I had more incentive, I knew why I was going back, and two, uh, I found mentors, right? So a big part of my transfer journey um, was connecting, and shout outs to Damon Cagnolotti at Cerritos College, uh, who was my professor and became my mentor. Uh, we still have a great relationship today. I talk to him probably every couple weeks or so. Um, and he helped me navigate some of the challenges of being a transfer student, right? Um, and so what happened was he put me in touch with a counselor. The counselor was like, my plan was just to go to, go to Long Beach State. It was close to where I was from. It was uh, not that, like, it was, I was going to transfer pretty easy with the grades I had. And he put me in touch with a counselor, like, I think it was like November 15th or something, right? And he was like, talk to this counselor, just go. So I go, I walk in her office and she looks at my transcript. She looks at everything and I've been doing pretty well. I was an English major. So I was taking English class, all my English classes. I had really good grades. The rest of my transcript, not so great. Um, but she was like, you need to be applying, you need to be applying to UCs. And I was like, ah, like I, but then I have to take like these classes. She's like, don't even worry about that. I needed a language requirement still. I needed, uh, another English class, another something else. And she's like, we'll, we'll worry about that later just apply. She's like, you're an English major. You'll be able to write the uh, personal statement. No problem. And I was like, but, and she just kind of like she brushed anything off I said and was like, just do it. And then so mm. I did. Uh, I worked really hard in that week to, to write <laughs> um, the PIQs uh, and, and my personal statement and whatnot. And then um, luckily I, I was accepted uh, to the four UCs applied to uh, I got waitlisted wait on one, denied it the other two, and, and Berkeley accepted me. So um, I transferred into Berkeley. Um, so yeah, I transferred into Berkeley. I get into Berkeley, and I'm like uh, an, a reentry student at this point, a little bit older, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. But uh, the good thing was for me, I had somewhat of a community, but none of them were students. So my best friend went to Cal. He has a bunch of friends, uh, who went to Cal, but they all graduated like early mid two thousands. Right. And I'm there 2015 or so. Yeah. And then, um, so I didn't know anybody on campus, but I had a network of people outside. So 
I spent a lot of time with them, especially the first semester of the first year, which is a big deal, right? So like I had I had like a network of support uh, coming in, but basically day from day from the jump, I got accepted. Then I my acceptance got rescinded uh, because they said I was missing a class. It was a whole fiasco. I had to write an appeal. I did. I got in. So I had imposter syndrome from the jump because they were already like, we got we're gonna accept you, and then they're like, never mind. So then I come in and I'm like, ah, what am I doing here? Right. And then the, uh, the first day I'm taking a transition course because I had, a uh, the English advisor at that time told me to take it. So I'm taking it. Um, and they start talking about imposter syndrome. They're like, who else feels like they shouldn't be here? And everyone feels that way or not everyone, but a lot of students do. And I'm like, damn, like I'm not the only one. So cool. And it took me a while to get over that. Probably like the first semester, first year or so. Academically, it took till I got the grades, you know, I wanted or whatnot. But a lot of my time at Cal was because uh, I knew what I was going for. I was there to get the degree and I was there to meet people because I wanted a college experience, right? I wanted all of the things that came with it. I wanted to go to sporting events. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to go out and have a beer after class. Like those are the things I wanted to do. So that's what I did. Um, My focus was like, sure, try my best to get good grades and whatnot, but it wasn't the be all end all for me. And that was because I went back to school. I had more at that point in my life, uh, understanding of like, this is what I'm here for versus the first time around in which like, I didn't know what I was doing there. Uh, so I really, really, really enjoyed my transfer experience and especially my time at Berkeley. Um, so that was kind of like, I guess my transfer journey as a student, I guess as a student, um, I was heavily involved in like, uh, the English major. So like I I went to like a bunch of poetry readings, was in, took the seminars, which like you have to like apply to, to be in and stuff like that. So I made half of my friends in the uh, English department doing English nerd things. And then the other half, I worked at the transfer center as a student, as a peer advocate, like all of you, uh, my last semester. And then, so that's how I got connected to the transfer center. And I'll talk a little bit more about like how I ended up in this position later, but that was kind of my uh, journey as a student, I guess. Just real quick, it's something we don't have written down. I'm just kind of curious, Andrew, is there any major changes you see on Berkeley's campus when you were a student versus the most recent, like when we graduated in 2020? That's a really good question. I mean, it's not like you graduated 45 years ago, so I don't yeah. know if there's any huge, huge no. I'm just curious. No, 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 not at all. Nothing, uh, nothing crazy, um, especially because, like, the way I'm, like, tapped into the campus now is so different than I was as a student, uh, understanding. Like, I would say even you, especially, even you all, especially Brill, has a much better understanding of, like, the the administrative piece, the logistics of all those things about being working at Cal, being a Cal student than I ever did as a student. Um, but yeah, no, nothing major. I mean, minus the COVID stuff, obviously. <laughs> but no, I, I can't think of anything that was too different between when I was a student. I mean, the transfer center is much bigger. Like that that would be a, a thing, I guess. Uh, when I first came in, um, there were seven students or so working at the transfer center. Now there's over, now there's over 20 semesterly. Some, we got up to 31 semester. Um, so that's, that's a big thing for transfer students, right? Is that, um, the transfer student population itself is even growing, right? There's a, um, there's an initiative to get all UCs up to, uh, I think it's one third, uh, for transfer students. So obviously when we graduated, uh, Paul, um, Brielle and myself, it was a lot different because there was a pandemic going on. Um, so kind of like, or it is different. Yeah. Even for current <laughs> graduates. Um, so like having a job or an internship lined up for people in our year and the upcoming semesters, even when they graduate, I feel like the expectation and kind of just like the realistic thing about, do you have a job lined up? right now is in the air for people right now just because of covid 
Um, but when you were graduating, were you super stressed? Were you like, oh man, I need to find something right now? Did you have something lined up or were you kind of chilling? Like I'll figure it out when the time comes. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I have a very unique, uh, story I'll tell you about that, but, um, just an overall thing, uh, for the listeners, if you've listened to the multiple, uh, of this podcast, most of the episodes of this podcast, um, I'm much more like Max, especially as a student than I ever was like Burrell or, or uh, Chanyoung, um, so that would give you a little bit of uh, inkling and understanding <laughs> of where I'm coming from. But yeah, man, um, these guys studying stuff, that's crazy. Ah, uh, yo, like, um, so <laughs> that'll tell you a little bit about me. Um, but yeah, uh, to answer your question, I, okay, so basically what happened was I, as a student, I always lived off campus. So I just had leases to apartments. And then basically I was living in an apartment with my buddy and then uh it, our lease was like august or september like normal and what happened was during the second year the building got sold so then we didn't we weren't on the lease anymore right they're like your lease is ended like we're just gonna let you go so basically when i graduated uh i had until the following february on the new lease so i knew that like i was like i need a job because like i have to cover this lease for six months and i'm not gonna leave my uh my roommate who was my friend of 10 plus years uh with some stranger because he wasn't in college anymore he wasn't about you know how like when you're in college and you're a student like roommates come and go but that wasn't his life at that point i don't want to do that to him so i knew when i graduated i was like i gotta find a job because i need to be here at least six months to cover this lease or whatever so what happened was um and this is a good lesson for everybody right is that like uh I was working at the transfer center my last semester because what happened was uh, occasionally the transfer center will hire recent graduates to help uh, facilitate the transition course that we have, right? Educate. Um, sorry, uh, you have to edit the part that out. Transitioning um, to Cal, uh, introduction <laughs> to the research institution. <laughs> so as I was saying, it was education 198 transitioning to yes, Cal, sir. but... It's uh, currently it's LNS 198. Check it out for those of you listening. It's a, a class that support holistically supports your transition um, to Berkeley once you're there, uh, your first semester. It's one unit, pass no pass. But occasionally we'll hire um, uh, recent graduates, gra- gra- uh, graduated students to help uh, facilitate those classes when we need extra hands and everything lines right. up. Um, so I knew that. And I knew a student who had graduated recently who was in that position my last semester. So I started talking to her. I was working at the transfer center. I started talking to her. I started talking to Lorena, who's the director uh, of the transfer center at UC Berkeley. And uh, basically, I put in the work. Like I did a survey of all the students in the course, how to make it better. Um, I did some sort of research. I presented that research to Lorena the last semester. And with um, basically the support of the uh, part-time staff member that I knew, uh, putting a good word for me, being a connection for me, right? Um, I was lucky in that they needed someone for that coming fall. And uh, I was able to secure that part-time position. And what happened was I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna do this for the fall. Uh, I love working with transfer students. I know the experience intimately. I can do this, right? Um, And I did it. It was great. Uh, some of, uh, I'm still in touch with some of those students from my first semester teaching that course. Um, and what happened was during that semester, a full-time position opened up and, uh, basically Lorena asked me, she's like, are you going to apply? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm not trained to be a counselor. I wasn't planning on being a counselor. Right. Um, my plan, actually, for all of you, the other the other piece of this is that like I, my plan was to go teach English in another country. I was like, I'm graduated, I got no strings attached. I was like, I'm gonna go to another country and teach English. Right? There wasn't Max a pandemic going on. Max, yeah, we can talk wait, about. We can, uh, did you hear that earlier? Or I think I, I might have mentioned I heard in the last it, episode. I'm I heard it in the last episode. Yeah. Damn, we are. Uh, like, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate <laughs> for both of us. Um, so you should check out the Fulbright uh, Scholars. Uh, we can chat offline about uh, a bunch of different things uh, regarding that. So 
I w- that was my plan. I was like, I'm gonna teach this for six months, apply to uh, teach abroad, and then dip, right? But what happened was I was like, well, this is a full-time position. I could do this for a little while, see how I like it, all those things, right? So basically I applied, I got, I was very fortunate to be in that situation, uh, to have support, right, uh, during those times. And then I was lucky enough to, uh, and privileged enough to receive the position. So I've been in this position coming up on three years. Uh, I was going to do it for a year. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for a year. See how, see how I like it. Right. And I ended up loving it. Right. Um, I work, I get to meet with students and work with all of you, which is my favorite part right? It's fulfilling. Um, It's rewarding. It's challenging. It's all of those things. Um, But yeah, so I I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, I kind of stumbled, I stumbled into it pseudo intentionally, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no, it was something that like, oh, I got to figure something out. This opportunity fell into your lap that kind of extended into a larger opportunity. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. It sounds like you put in the work in and also right place, right time, all just work together. Yeah. And and what I would say about that is like, that's just kind of life, right? Sure. Is that you put the work in and it'll take you somewhere, right? And that's up to you though. Like I could have chosen to live abroad and my life would be completely different, right? You would, wouldn't would know better? me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. What about us, Brielle? He wouldn't about- know any of us. <laughs> I'm not thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you still went into Cal. I'm sure you would have had an amazing experience. There would be somebody else. Somebody else, I'm sure, just as awesome and uh, who would have, you know, been in my place and my stead as well. Um, but would I be better off, happier, less happier, making more money probably? But those other things, who knows? Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that the theme of this this episode, right, is, is graduation and what do I do afterwards. And pandemic aside, right, is that, and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but working with a bunch of students, having gone through it myself, watching my friends uh, go through it, um, is that graduation is difficult. Like, there's plenty of things to celebrate, right? Like, you put in all this work, so much time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears, sleepless nights, literally, and um, you should be super proud of that, right? Um, but there's a sense and a feeling of like, like loss and unknown to some degree, right? Is that for those of you listening, if you're dead set on you know transferring and graduating, I believe in you, you can do it, but Something and then something I've been talking about with all of you is right is that like when you're at Berkeley, I have resources galore for you, right? Here's this, you can check out this, you can try that, right? You just have to put yourself out there, kind of thing. But once you graduate, a lot of those things are gone, right? You can still go to the career center for a little while, but yeah. the main the main thing um, is community. We we talk about we preach community, find your community, all those things, right? And then when you graduate, right? Usually you move home or you stay at the apartment and pick up a job or, or whatever it may be, right? But what you don't have is 20,000 other people going through the exact same thing uh, as you are, like you are in college, right? Whether or not like you're in the trenches with your friends studying or not, you're seeing other people, right? In class mm-hmm. daily, mm-hmm. right? Uh, having to study, having to go through the stresses of being a student, right? Worry about, you know, paying bills on top of doing your homework, studying. And some of the fun of college, right? Some of my best memories are being in those trenches, studying with those people and not feeling alone doing it, mm-hmm. right? And then when you graduate, you're at home looking for a job or applying to schools or whatever it may be. And usually you're doing it alone. So I think that that's one of the biggest challenges is one, how do we, um, how do us as educators, right? And how do you all as recent graduates build those communities or how do we help help you before you graduate build those communities so you're not going through it alone after you graduate, right? 
And we all three got lucky that we talked to each other every single week. But even just looking at our friends that we've made at the Transfer Center or at Berkeley in general, all of us are going through it, but we all can't see each other because of the pandemic. And we're all submitting 40 applications a month and doing that whole process uh, really by yourself, even though we all still have each other. It's just you, there's not that access anymore. And I even t- was talking about this with my family the other day is now that I have a full time job, I miss being a student so much. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy my job because I do and I'm very privileged to have one. But it's so much fun to just be motivated by school and for school and to think about like walking across campus and doing my readings or in my case, choosing not to go to some of my classes. And like, I don't even have that option anymore. That was fun. Like that's, I miss it. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, oh, please, Paul, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I, that was all I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, and, and the funny thing is I talked to all three of you and other students who graduated last semester, the semester before, right? Still, and you are all going through similar things and not talking to each other about it. <laughs> like, so there, there is still that sense of like, you know, I'm going through this alone again, right? The same way you transfer in and you feel like you're going through the transition alone, there's going to be a transition when you uh, graduate and a feeling of like the imposter syndrome. I know you've talked about that on this pod a little bit, right? And I think that one of you, I think it was Brielle talked about this, is that like the, the realest thing about that is that like it will always reappear in some new form or new fashion. So it's learning how to navigate through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gotcha. So I guess that leads into the next question for me. Um, so, you know, aside from sort of putting in the work towards the end and also being in the right place at the right time and, and deciding to take on the challenge, you know, after the first few years out of college, what are some of the things that you think you did well or, you know, and what are some of the things that you wish you did differently? Maybe, you know, for instance, were you too hard on yourself to, like in that, during that time? Or yeah, I'm just curious what things you think you did well or might have changed. It's hmm. a good question. I think that, um, I, yes, I would have, because all these things I'm telling you about imposter syndrome and like what I know about it and all these things, I learned like after, right? I learned by doing, by failing, by having those feelings, right? By working with all of you through some of those feelings. Um, so number one, yes, definitely. I would, uh, I was really hard on myself to do really well, uh, at this job when I first started, um, not giving myself, I guess, enough room or space to understand that it's a process and you have to learn and to use people as support, right, um, for that growth. Um, so I think I was too hard on myself coming out of the jump and needing to be perfect and know everything about this job. But usually, especially if you have good supportive bosses, right, bosses, quote unquote, is that they expect you to ask questions, right? They expect you to ask questions. They expect you to be learning um, because n- very few times, especially if you're fresh out of college, you come in with all of knowledge to a position, right? Um, so, th- so that's one piece uh, for sure. <sighs> Things I would do differently. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I'll have to sit and think about that for a second. You want to know a piece of advice that um, the counselors at the TSC would always tell us? It takes six months to a year to find a job post-grad. And that's not during COVID. So something that we also have to think about sometimes is those like myself and Andrew, who maybe got a little bit more lucky in having something um, easily accessible post-grad and having been in the right place at the right time um, and also putting in the work to get there. It's not always that easy for a lot of people um, and going into it with the expectation that it will be um, can also lead to some imposter syndrome too. So you're like, why hasn't it happened yet? Probably won't. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think that I was really fortunate to, you know, secure a job right away, and it doesn't happen for everyone, like Brielle is saying. Um, so one of the things that I don't think we talk about, or I was my educational experience that I had, is like talking about and teach. I don't know if you can teach it, but it's resilience, right? Is how do you 
manage applying to 40 places and only hearing back from three of them and not getting an interview, right? How, how do you cultivate that resilience and that fire in yourself, right? Um, when most of us do feel like we're going through it alone, right? Um, so I guess that's one piece that I would say um, is to not give up, right? Whatever it is you're interested in doing after you graduate, this is actually two or threefold, but whatever is it is you're interested in doing is you have to do the research. And someone talked about this in your last pod, um, is the research is vital on multiple levels. So um, if you are interested in a job, uh, grad school, whatever it may be, even an undergrad, right? If, if you're listening to this and you want to transfer, knowing where you want to go and what you want to do right? And you may not know it in its entirety, right? You know, may only know the first step. I want to transfer to a four-year university. Cool. Perfect. But do the research, right? Going to a CSU will be vastly different than going to a UC or a private school or a school outside of California, right? So what is it about those things you need to know, right? Part of that is this podcast is telling you a lot of it, right? (laughs) But um, how much is it going to cost you, right? Am I going to like living in that area? Can I live there if I don't know anybody, right? Um, Is the weather going to be terrible, right? So that's one piece is doing the research is vital. And then if you want to translate this to uh, jobs and careers or grad schools or anything uh, post-graduation, it's the same thing, right? Is if I go, if I know I want to go to grad school, right? I want to go to, let's say... um, law school, right? Understanding which law school you want to go to and why is very important. If you want to practice constitutional law, sure, you need to be in the top like eight to 10 or whatever, Paul, I'm sure you know this better than I do, right? But if you don't, right, you may not need to go to a top law school, right? So understanding those things, doing the research is really important. And for the job piece is do your research, do informational interviews, Use your network. Ask people uh, to connect you if if you can, right? If they can, you can just go on LinkedIn and ask for coffee chats. Ask for five pe- five minutes of people's time. You'd be surprised how much people are willing uh, to sit and talk to you about what they do. Because being a project manager at a advertising agency, sure, you it may sound glamorous, but you may not like the day to day nitty gritty of what they actually do, right? And another piece of that is like even being a counselor, right? So I work closely with the EOP program in our uh, Centers for Educational Equity um, department, right? And the EOP counselors, their job is vastly different from my job as a transfer center counselor. And one's not better or worse or harder and not harder. It's just we do different things. So our title of academic counselor is exactly the same. But what we do is very different, right? So at least from the day-to-day like work. So these are things you want to know. These are things you want to think about, right? And these are the things that no one ever talks about. So uh, use your network, connect with people uh, that you know. um, And you may be thinking like, I don't know anybody. Like I I don't have a network. You do. Your friends, your family, uh, they are all your network. Um, and that's something I also didn't realize or understand is that the people you connect with, the people you talk to, your friends, your social circles, that's part of your network, right? So those are some of the pieces of advice I guess I would have. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking a lot. You have. Do you have any questions for us while we're on this track? <laughs> I know you said yeah, you're coming what? in hot with questions. I'm, I'm preparing myself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for like, what would, I know you've got kind of already done it, I guess, but what would your uh, pieces of advice be for students, right? One of, two of you were applying for jobs. Paul was applying to law school or get preparing for that. Like, what are your advice to, to people, to students? My advice is to do more while you're a student, but that is definitely relative because if there's a student that's already doing a shit ton, 
for example, I, I know at the TSC specifically, there are students that are involved in like seven different programs at the same time. And I'm like, how do you do that? Um, but I definitely should have taken the chance to involve myself more. Um, maybe look at clubs, look at research opportunities, just all kind of things. And I think Andrew gave me a good piece of advice once, which was just like, you know, just because you, you get one job doesn't mean you're stuck in that field for the rest of your life. And I think that's something I knew, but I was sitting myself in that mindset for a very long time. So I should have just done more during my time as a student. Yeah, for me, advice, just to use the cursor anymore. I didn't use it enough when I was at Berkeley. Like, it's like, like Andrew said, there's a lot of resources for transfers when you're at the school, right? And now that I graduated and now that I, you know, I'm not a student there anymore, I sort of regret my, what's the word? Yeah, I just didn't use all those resources enough. There were so many that I could have utilized. The primary one being, I think, Career Center for this topic. Um, I only went to like a handful of workshops there and I just didn't really get that involved with finding jobs and whatnot when I was a student. So yeah, I think that's one thing I would change, like a, a slash give advice on. Use Career Center, use those resources that are there to help you transition out of college. I don't know if this is necessarily advice, which is kind of what I did. Um, and I guess you could say it worked in my favor, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to grad school or if I wanted to get a job first. So I was looking at both options. So I pursued both at the same time. Um, and while I was at Berkeley, I did kind of set myself up to have access to both and getting lots of experiences, both at the Transfer Center and in other programs. Um, but making sure that I could go to one or the other and just see where I fell. And that's what I spent um, my summer doing. I applied to lots of jobs, but I also wrote a personal statement and I applied to grad school. And shout out to Andrew for being my letter of rec. Um, but <laughs> one of my letters of rec. And I did both and just wanted to see which one happened first. And I'm still waiting to hear back um, from my graduate school application admission status. But I got a job in October. So I was like, you know what? One came before the other, so I'm going to take that on. And it was something that fit into what I wanted to do really well. So in the meantime, while I wait to hear back from grad school, I do have a job. And if my goal is to go to grad school, maybe I saved up a little bit of money right now or at least got a little bit of experience that I could add to supplemental applications at future schools later on. Or if I get accepted into this grad program that I've applied to and I'm waiting on, I could defer. I could do it part time. It's just now I have options. So if you aren't dead set on a specific career or a specific graduate school program, apply to a lot of things and just see what comes first. And you can redirect or re-navigate your timeline afterward. Um, yeah, so I think um, earlier, earlier too, Andrew, you mentioned, you know, talking to people that either graduated with or class or semester before, or just, you know, recent graduates from Cal and everything that you keep up with you said like, you know, you guys are struggling with the same things. What, what do you think those struggles are? Is it kind of still struggling with imposter syndrome? Is it feeling not good enough? What, what do you think you see? Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a good question. Cause there's a wide variety, but um, I guess some of the common threads are, uh, and this is compounded because of COVID, right? But a sense of isolation and a sense of loss of like your community and then a sense of like going through the same things, right? You're all applying to jobs. Well, for the most part, you're applying to jobs, right? Um, you're feeling alone in that process and the ups and downs of those, that process as well. Um, so that's, I guess, what I initially had thought of when, when talking to all of you um, is a major thing. And, and for sure, for sure, that's compounded um, by COVID and the way last spring ended and, and all of those things. Um, but yeah, the major ones are a new feeling of imposter syndrome, right? Whether that's if you started a new job, whether that's you started a grad school, or you are no longer a student, which is a loss of an identity for a lot of people right? Especially students who are not reentry students, right? Who had no break in their education, who went K through 12, uh, a community college, and then straight into um, their four year and graduated. Um, is That's another piece I talk to students about is like, this is like, you've been a student all your life. It's really cool not being a student and not having homework and assignments hanging over your head for once. 
but there is a loss of that identity, right? And then who are you now that you're not a student, right? Um, one, you don't have those student excuses anymore. Is like, oh, I didn't get to X, Y, or Z. I'm a student. Like, I have class and, you know, those things. No so you, there's a piece discounts. of that. No, <laughs> I just no started more. paying Spotify for full. I just got uh, to damn, they my got YouTube. My I know. YouTube I gotta... just went up. <laughs> so there's no more student discounts. Um, <laughs> the real um, issues side tangent since we're all about the tangents here a spotify family is where it's at i know so, i gotta get on someone's plan so so well, well i didn't say that I'm not saying <laughs> oh, you should, sorry you know, incriminating evidence but, yeah but uh six people for 1599 <laughs> that's a good ass deal Sponsored, by the way <laughs> yo 1499 it's a good deal for you and your family members <laughs> anyway y'all want to get spotify premium <laughs> um also like something we talk about too is like when you're a student you have a you have a plan there's something you're being told what to do basically at all parts right if you're like oh maybe i want to transfer well there's a plan once you're there but once you graduate maybe like one of my roommates he he was kind of used to that plan and he said well he knew grad school was always in his mind in his future but with covid he was like do i try to get a job in something i might not like or do i just do a um are they called fifth year programs where you just do a one-year extension once you graduate um and he did something like that and he's trying to get a job lined up like he was comfortable with that plan and it's been laid out but past that what happens and i think that's something students don't think about until it's too late almost i mean this is why i say i'm not a good counselor because like i don't have an answer for that right is that like i used to say i make like for myself personally i would make loose goals because the reality of life is that it'll take you weird places, right? I never thought I was going to be a counselor. And it turns out I'm here. I'm not that bad at it, right? Um, I wouldn't say I'm good at it, but I'm not that bad at it. Uh, I don't say that, Andrew. And, You're good at your job. And then um, the other place, look where we are. We're in a fucking pandemic, right? And I met all of you. Well, I met you all during your Cal experience. Chanyoung and Brielle, I met your first semester. And like... There's no way I could have we could have foreseen something like this happening. And then so making like and you know, I don't want to tell people how to live their life, but for me, like I make loose plans. Loose plans and goals, um, so that they're malleable because life will take you in crazy places. Yeah. Um I said what we gotta do for the pandemic. We get you know like the in movies, they have like a gun that shoots a net and it like you know, <laughs> but you do that and you attach masks. And you just shoot all the anti-maskers with the mask and boom, that solves all of our problems. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Bria, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say a follow up to something that Max had said about, um, and actually Andrew too, about your K-12 and then you get to community college and then you get to your four-year institution and it's still on a plan um, and then you graduate and like what comes next. I do want to add in the Berkeley's particular case, and this is the advice I had heard from Andrew and other counselors at uh, Cal, that at least Berkeley really doesn't like hold your hand through navigating being a transfer student in terms of like, what classes do I take? What internships should I get? Like, what do I do now? And I've worked on those types of maps before in other programs, but they didn't exist for a very long time. And that Berkeley's kind of like, here's all the things that you could do figure it out look on multiple websites maybe talk to a counselor sometimes that doesn't always help though like if you want to go talk to your college they might not actually tell you which class to take or which route to go whereas in community college at least in california follow i get follow the seven course breadth like do exactly what this piece of paper says and you're on to the next step berkeley doesn't really do that and you have a lot more free reign and for a lot of people that's really enjoyable like myself but for others that's I have no direction. What do I do? I never had to choose my path like this. So that's just something that I've noticed at Berkeley, but I don't know if that's always the case in other institutions. Yeah. So like two ends of that I want to respond to is like Berkeley is especially welcoming for like transfer students, right? Like I didn't know it was a thing for campuses not to have a transfer center. So it's kind of like, it's scary to be like, oh, like if Berkeley barely has a map or a pathway for transfers, what does that look like at other institutions? But part of me thinks that's primarily because the four of us were all in social sciences. Um, so class-wise, like someone interviewing me isn't gonna be like, ah, oh, yes, did you take media history and democracy? Like, no, they don't care. It's you got the degree. But if we were in STEM, like you need to, 
if 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 someone was interviewing me for a computer science job, they're going to know what languages I learned, like what exact classes. And in that, when you're at your college, like, yeah, if you want to be a data scientist, you're taking classes that are more jarred toward that. But for social sciences, it's kind of, you know, the pathway is different. It's It's more broad. But in STEM, it's definite like, no, you need to have these exact classes done with at least an A or else your career is going to get screwed over. Could. <laughs> not could. going to, not a guarantee, but could. <laughs> could, yeah. Yeah, I think what I'll add to to what... Actually, Chinese, did you want to chime in? You go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So what I'll add to that is that what you're speaking to, Briella, is like, yeah, in community college, here's Igetsy, here's seven quarters breath for California, at least. Here's your plan. Take these classes and you have a checklist, right? Um, and you're able to check them off. Um, but when you get to specifically Berkeley and a lot of other four-year universities, right, that doesn't really exist. You have an outline of uh, courses that, sure, you have some requirements and you can take from this pool of classes, but they give you a lot of autonomy, right, to make your own decisions and what you want your education to be, or at least hopefully they do. Um, and it, it's 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 variant from college to college, major to major, absolutely. Um, but something that I think ties to that is is like, what you're talking about is like once you graduate there's no roadmap right no one's like do these here's your plan for success and happiness right um follow these steps right um that doesn't exist so how do you then with all of your varying identities your intersectionality all those things right the things that you're interested in the things that will lead to your fulfilling your needs along with your fulfilling your happiness all of those things like how are you going to create that after you graduate right and will this specific job that you want actually get you there right and a lot of what my counseling is about and how i formulate it is around that right is what is it that you need obviously we all come from varying different privileges and what is it that you want right um so negotiating those twos what is it you need and what is it you want and how are you going to get there right but that takes self-reflection and it takes time and figuring out and and part of it is learning and growing right and no matter what stage of life you're in um so that is a, a part of college right is a lot of these colleges have it set up so you have to figure it out yourself right um so you can choose the courses you take the research you do the internships you have or whatnot right um so part of it is a space for exploring right uh who you are and what your interests are um yeah so andrew as we wrap up the last question that we have is you know what advice do you have for our listeners especially for those who just entered community college this crazy year and are just starting out their transfer journey we've touched on I think a lot of them so far. And so I think this would be a good space to sort of sum up everything and sort of highlight the key things that you want to impart our listeners with. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, being in community college is a great place. I loved my community college experience, even though it was a long one. Um, and most students I work with, they love their community college, right? Um, but community college, just like any other place you go, is you will get out of it what you put into it, right? So um, let me start there. The other piece is that um, where you transfer to, where you want to transfer to, a lot of people have, you know, these dream schools that they want to transfer to. And, and I think that's great to have passion and goals and all of those things. Um, but the fact of the matter, the sad reality of it is that a lot of schools can only accept so many students, right? They're accepting X number of students every year. And then the number of applicants is increasing every year, right? Um, so not everyone gets into uh, their dream school, even though they might be more than qualified for it, right? Which is really sad, right? Um, so one, apply broadly, right? And as you're going through these first uh, few semesters, um, of community college is really start thinking about why right what is your why why am i in college 
What am I doing here? Why do I want to transfer to X place? Right. Um, and then if you can, if you have this kind of privilege, right, um, study something you're interested in. You're going to be spending hours and hours and hours uh, with these subjects. So hopefully you're at least interested in it. If you're passionate about it, that's amazing. Um, a lot of people don't go into the field um, that they studied in undergrad. Something I didn't touch on in this that I touched on, I usually speak about, is that uh, jobs are absolutely looking for your degree, but they're looking for the skills that you have, right? Um, they're not looking for how many, like if you got, if you can get an A on a test, right? They know you're good at school, but what is it that you bring to the table, right? Can you, uh, like we were talking about, like use X programs, right? Are you able to uh, facilitate discussions? Are you able to write coherently? All of these other skills that you will get along the way. And at some colleges, you can absolutely get those in classrooms, and some you'll need to get them at your internships, in clubs, or other places, right? Um, and I've said this multiple times, but do your research, right? Even if that, like, is with the transfer process, right, is like, you want to go to X school and study music? Well, what are they doing in that music that you want to study? Because studying music at Berkeley versus studying music at... Cal State Long Beach will probably look vastly different, right? Um, so just studying music may not be um, the thing that you're interested in. It's like what they're studying and how they're how they're studying it. Um, that'll be the other thing. And the last thing I guess I would say is that like, um, and you'll hear this a lot if you end up at Berkeley, is practice self care. Is students are very invested in getting good grades. And I understand that. And to transfer to certain institutions, especially places like Berkeley, you need good grades to, to get in. Um, but students are always willing to give up food, water, and sleep to get those good grades. And we know that at our base human level, those are the three things you need to survive, right? Students on this podcast or former students have talked about like those very things, right? So making sure you're taking care of yourself, practicing grace with yourself is really important um, as you go through your college journey. Um, and I guess uh, one other thing I'll talk about and we've kind of talked about is making connections as you go, right? Whether that's with other students, whether that's with professors, counselors, whoever it may be, uh, mentorship and connections can really help you uh during your journey right at community college um and lastly try to enjoy yourself you're only in college once it's a great time uh and yeah good luck out there yeah the self-care part especially oh my goodness <laughs> like don't compromise that for grades i did that and just and just this year it's been rediscovering you know, through the books that I've been reading, like, oh man, like health, mental health, read, eating right, sleeping well, that's like the baseline. Like that's a starting point for doing well. And if that's compromised, like it, it will hurt you. It won't really benefit you. So yeah, I 100% agree. Oh man. All right. Is that what about it? you all? Can I? No, it's not it. I have a question. Go ahead. Keep <laughs> going. About... This is Andrew's podcast now. <laughs> what about... <laughs> That's true. There is always the question and answer section at the end. So it's your turn to ask us whatever yeah. the hell you want to know. One of two things for you all. What is the one piece of advice or what would you say to your younger self starting at community college, right? Um, at, at the beginning of that journey, um, because I'm interested. Like you've all had vastly different, um, you know, transfer journeys, experiences, Um but yeah, so the so the listeners can know what would you all a do a do differently, or the advice you would give to someone starting out at community college. Hmm. I feel like I don't even know if I have an answer to that because I'm really like happy with how I did it. So I don't know if I'd have any advice to my previous self. Which is kind of a 
crazy to say. So you're, I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't say go to class to yourself. No, I got the grades. <laughs> I I got my way out. I I tell my parents every day and don't listen to me. This is not advice for the listeners, but just so you know how I navigated things, I told my dad what every a- day that. The degree is what we're paying for. How I get it doesn't matter. It's just that I do. <laughs> so, the in case anyone's, <laughs> in case anyone's <laughs> wondering, <laughs> the way the reason that I mentioned earlier this fucking utilitarian ass conversation we're having right now. Um, so, but you would, wouldn't you say at least wouldn't you say to yourself like, hey, like don't stress out so much. Like it's gonna be okay or something like that. I would tell I saw you stress out a lot. Yeah, and as Max said, at community college, right? That's true. So, but I'm saying like telling yourself at community college Mm, about my transfer. Oh, about university life. Okay, I thought you were talking about anything. Anything about your journey and your college experience. Um, in that case, yeah, and as, as everyone in this podcast series every one of our friends who has joined us and everyone on this episode now knows that I had so many mental breakdowns um throughout my college journey and it was just because I was very overwhelmed and spread myself too thin I think going back I would tell myself that it's going to turn out okay so you don't have to freak out and that every time I did freak out I was always fine afterward so every time I got super stressed or I had a panic attack or I got really upset and I would text all my friends that I'm really stressed or I'm going to quit my job. I'm so overwhelmed. Like all these little things that would just come up for me being stressed out, not knowing how to manage it. I always turned out fine afterward. So to even get to that point, if I could learn to have managed it better, it probably would have been a lot healthier for me. Um, Because ultimately all my experiences did serve me well, but the way that I navigated my feelings while enduring them or while going through them was not necessarily the healthiest thing in the world. And that's still something I'm working on now post-grad is feeling very overwhelmed. And as you all know, I also tutor on the side. So every weekend, I don't. I also have a, a second job. It's a part-time side job while working full-time and we have the podcast. So my days are very much allocated towards work-related experiences. So even now, I don't necessarily have the best tools to navigate my emotions or to navigate my stress and I would have done a little bit better in the past at recognizing that and finding ways to handle those things while still being able to take on all the stuff that I did because I do like to be under pressure I like to do a lot of things at once and that's okay as long as you feel okay doing it so I would just tell my my past self I guess like try to feel better but you don't necessarily have to give anything up Um, I think I was very similarly struggling to answer this question initially, too, because similar to Bria, like, I kind of skated my way through community college. I had the same, I have the same mindset that Andrew does about, like, junior college or just kind of everything, which is you get out what you put in. Um, And that was definitely my community college experience. And mine was, oh, man, like, I'm getting the right grades. I kind of don't need to try much harder than that. Um, which led me to a sillier answer, which was don't take the anthropology class that I took because it was, like, the only hard class I had unnecessarily hard class i had at my junior oh, college um the more what about that one. cs class man? <laughs> nah, uh, nah. <laughs> uh, if only someone had told you not to take that class if only i had a single academic counselor to advise uh-huh, me and not take class for a good reason uh, i'm Sorry, still like limiting it I- i'm like limiting it to like what i would tell myself about community college going mm-hmm. forward almost um mm-hmm. the other like more serious one would be to um save money when i'm at community college because i was living with my parents and everything and i took out student loans while at berkeley solely because of my apartment like to be able to afford to live in berkeley which is fairly expensive and if i had saved money better while i was at community college like my loans would be a lot smaller or if i had applied to like the independent scholarships that my community college had offered that like nobody ever applies to because they don't know they exist and how easy they are to get them like i would have been a lot better off with my student loans, which even then, like, relative to a lot of other people's loans, I'm in a good situation. Yeah, for me, honestly, just one thing, like, I would tell my younger self and whoever is starting on that, like, learn how to take care of yourself. I didn't, nor was it interested at the time. Um, It's only really, like, lately that I've been more thinking about it. Eating right, sleeping well, meditating, like, taking the time to sort of just chillax, not do anything, like, 
I didn't know how to do that, nor was I interested, and I think that it hurt me. So that is one thing I would stress out because, you know, life, all of that, like what you will need to do, you will end up doing. But in the process, like your health needs to come first. And yeah, everything else will just be sort of compromised, like deteriorated in quality when you're not the one that's not doing well. So I would say learn how to take care of yourself. Cool. I just want to shout out my colleagues, uh, Ale, Steve, and Lucy. All the work I do at the Transfer Center would not be done without all of them. Um, and yeah, and obviously uh, my boss, Lorena, as well, who's been doing this work way longer than I have. Um, so I wanted to do that. And then also thank you all uh, for having me. It's been an honor. Super excited that you all started producing content on your own. Uh, about your experience. No, we're really glad we had you on, Andrew. I think Andrew was pivotal to like this, like kind of whole thing, because I think we talked to him even like maybe episode one, we were already talking to Andrew, right, Paul? Like just about yeah. just kind of the general what a podcast and stuff is and transferring and everything. So it's super great. It feels, it feels like an appropriate person to have as our last guest. Yes. Mm-hmm. That just about wraps up episode 11 of the transfer experience podcast in which we talked about our graduation and post-grad experience with our friend and great support system andrew thank you andrew for joining us today thank you all for having me i had a great time so with all that being said we hope you were able to learn some things that we did uh, post-grad although some of us haven't been graduated for very long and Andrew has a very unique experience too so looking at some of the stuff that we did and seeing where that might fit into your transfer journey so don't forget to rate us yes (laughs) don't forget to rate us five stars on apple Podcasts. we are getting closer to that 55 star ratings uh don't forget to follow us on instagram you can find us on instagram at the transfer experience or and or send us an email the transfer experience at gmail.com with any of your questions see you next week bye bye